Hi, this is a Meiji at 150 student podcast. I'm Kate, and I'm going to be talking about Keigo, or Japanese honorific language. Hi, Kate. Hi, Tristan. <laughs> What are we going to be talking about today? Today, we're going to be talking about Japanese honorific language, also known as Keigo. Keigo. The bane of, <laughs> of anyone who studies Japanese language. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so, why did you pick Keigo for your topic? To be honest, I studied Japanese before and I came up against a wall with Keigo. And I sort of understood it, but not so much. And I wanted to learn a little bit more about it. And I also think it's a pretty interesting aspect of Japanese language that a lot of people aren't really aware about. Absolutely.、Uh, so, what, when you were studying Japanese language, you, you said、uh, you kind of hit a wall coming up against Keigo. What, what was so difficult about Keigo? The thing about Keigo is not only is it Different verb endings, but it's completely different verbs, different nouns. Everything is a lot more complicated than I felt like it needed to be. And <laughs> so you said it's honorific language. How, how is it exactly is it used? How is it different from regular Japanese language? And what kinds of situations might a person use Keigo? In the social hierarchy of Japan, you would use it for people who are higher up in that social hierarchy than you, your teachers, or your parents, or your boss, that kind of thing. And what it does is it sort of bestows honor upon them and it makes you seem more humble and respectful to them. So I understand there are several different levels of Keigo. What, what are these different levels of Keigo? So, there's Sonkeigo, which will bestow honor on someone who's higher than you. And there's Kenkyogo, which is to make yourself seem more humble. And, and then there's Tenego, which is a more basic, polite speech that you can use. Wow, that does sound really complicated. So, if you're out with your friends speaking Japanese, what kind of language would people normally be talking? Well, you definitely wouldn't use any form of Keigo if you're out with close friends. Just like with English, it becomes much more shorter and you use more simple words, more simple verb endings. More casual language, perhaps. Yeah. And so, wh- wh- who would you talk to in Sonkeigo, for example? Sonkeigo, you would talk to, for example, your teacher or your boss,、uh-huh. someone who's higher on the status than you. Interesting.、Okay. And so, the language that you learn in, say, a Japanese class in college or something, do, Is that the basic standard language that they're teaching, or is that a different language altogether? I would say that you generally start with Tenego because it's most versatile. It's the kind that you can use with most everyday situations, and you won't insult anyone, you won't make anyone feel uncomfortable. And then when I was learning Japanese, we went from Tenego to a more casual form because more casual form is more likely to be used than Keigo.、Hmm. So, what, if I can ask, what was your motivation to start learning Japanese in the first place?、Um, well, when I was a teenager, I was one of those kids who was very into anime. And then that sort of spun into, like, oh, this language sounds pretty cool, and it would be nice to be able to watch without subtitles. And then <laughs> from then, I sort of moved on from anime, and then I just started to like more of the culture and the language and the people and everything. So, when you got to Japanese class on day, you know, Japanese 101, day one, and then they introduced Japanese, were you all excited? Like, oh, I'm going to learn to talk like Naruto and learn to talk like my anime characters? Ah,、uh, something like that. Actually, from my first vocabulary quiz, there were things like good morning and good night, hello. And my teacher actually said once I was done, like, it was a speaking quiz, and she said, Your accent is really good.、Oh, yeah. Do you watch anime? And I was like, Yeah, <laughs>、uh, you got me on day one. Thank you. <laughs> 
were you disappointed that they're not teaching like the more? I mean, I, I, on the anime shows and, and Naruto, I think in, in particular has a very rough style of speaking. I didn't, and that probably comes in what year four, <laughs> year five, maybe. Yeah, I would. I would say that stuff is more easy to pick up. For example, I have a coworker who does not speak a word of Japanese except for some rather aggressive phrases that he likes to use at work. <laughs> he just he just picks that stuff up without even trying to. So, so you mentioned you started looking into Kegel because you were you kind of come across it in your own study. Um, but what kind of ideas did you have about Kegel before doing the project? Well, my teacher introduced it as very sort of not necessarily straightforward, but it's very like everyone understands it, everyone follows Kegel properly because otherwise there's lots of problems that you come into. So I thought it would be very systematic, and the answers would come easily to native Japanese speakers. And then what did you find? Um, they do not actually. <laughs> the woman who I talked to, Kayo, she. I actually had to look up on her phone the difference between Sonkeigo and Kengyogo and Tenego and everything. And she spent quite a while looking at the different sentences trying to sort of figure out what they were and everything. So, I guess on one hand, it's kind of intuitive, instinctive perhaps, mm. but people just know the right thing to say in yeah. right situations, right? So, so in the family, or, or what would be some examples? You had mentioned Kayo. What kind of examples did she give you of how she uses Kegel? She gave me an example of her workplace and also of her family. For example, in her workplace, there are three Japan, three other Japanese women working there, and there is one woman who is much older than the other three, and then there's two who are just a little bit younger than Kayo, but they're in the same age range. So. When Kayo and the two younger girls will speak to the older woman, they'll always use more formal language. When they speak among each other, they'll use more casual, but the younger ones will still speak more formally to Kayo than Kayo ever speaks to the younger ones. <laughs> that sounds incredibly complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think it is, but I think it's also about understanding the relationships and just sort of comfort zones, and that kind of thing comes naturally to English speakers as well, so... I think that naturally, as a relationship evolves, then people will speak differently to one another. And that brings up this kind of social relationship, or the kind of social aspects of language. What did you discover in that regard? Mm. Well, there's one interesting thing that Kayo told me. She said that she doesn't think that Keigo is that important, even though her mother does. But Kayo says that she has to use it even though she doesn't think it's that important because other people think it's important and she can get in trouble otherwise. So I feel like it's sort of pervasive. People are hanging on to it even though younger generations don't think it's that important. You said she might get in trouble. What, what would, what's transgressive about not using Kego? Well, for example, in a job interview, which is probably the most important use of Keigo, is if you get something wrong in the job interview, then it's kind of like having a spelling mistake on your resume, right? It's this sort of basic thing that you have to know, and then if you get it wrong, then the person who gets it right is more likely to get the job. Hmm. So it sounds like there's some kind of interpersonal expectations over language usage, you know? I would say yes, and I, I guess with each individual person you would just have to feel it out with them and see how they feel about casual or formal language. So you mean when you first meet a person, maybe people would be more formal with mm -hmm. each other. and then, Maybe this is pretty similar to how we talk in the 
North American or in English. What yeah, exactly. I mean, usually when you meet someone for the first time, you wouldn't say like, "Hey, you want to go grab something to eat or want to go eat?" That mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, what does this tell us about by looking at kego and language usage? Can we say that this tells us something about Japan or Japanese society? I always hesitate to say that one particular aspect of a culture or a language says something about the entire society.、Mm-hmm. I feel like it shows that hierarchy is important to Japanese people, and perhaps something about how systematized it is. But I also think that it's kind of hard to explain. I don't think it's that decisive of a, of a culture.、Mm-hmm. And then we could talk about differences between Tokyo and Osaka as well,、mm-hmm. right? And、uh, did you come across anything about that in reference to Kego? Yes, I, I did.、Um, Kaio brought up this example of Tokyo and Osaka, and she said that people in Tokyo are known to be polite but cold because they often use polite language to each other. Even as the relationship progresses, they will continue to use more polite language, and especially among strangers, they'll be very polite. But because of that, their personality doesn't come through in their speech, and it can be difficult to sort of figure out what kind of a person you're talking to when they don't. Give you any personal sort of feeling from the words, and in Osaka, it's just the opposite. There's often casual speech is used, and casual speech allows the individual's personality to come through, and it allows their speaking patterns to be more individualistic. So you can get a better sense of the person who you're talking to. Now, what's the most vexing kago phrase for you? <laughs> As if I would remember one.、Um, <laughs> There's one that I had to remember from my presentation that I did on kego, and it was "kokumon、uh, wa okinari desu ka," which is essentially what you would use in a very fancy restaurant to ask someone if they're ready to order. So there's "kokumon," which is the noun in the sentence, though I don't exactly know what it means. Kokumon, yeah, that's like the order, basically. Yeah, it's like is is your order. Mm-hmm. Or is your have you decided on your order、mm-hmm. basically? But it's a different noun and it's a completely <laughs> different verb than you would ever use anywhere else. So. Kuchimono kimari de shoka. Yeah, and it, even it has the kind of polite、mm-hmm. passiveness,、exactly. polite passivity. Yeah. Has an order been decided upon? Yeah. Is the the closest English translation.、Mm-hmm. Well, Kate, thank you. Thank you, Tristan. Meiji at 150 podcast is hosted by Tristan Gruno at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. This podcast would not be possible without the cooperation of the UBC Center for Japanese Research and the technical assistance of the UBC Faculty of Arts (ISIT). Find out more about the Meiji at 150 project, including the Meiji at 150 lecture series, digital teaching resource, and workshop series, by visiting our website. Meiji at 150.arts.ubc.ca. Thank you for listening.